Welcome everybody, my name is Caroline and this is the Resilient Academic Podcast. Throughout this series, we're going to be chatting with academics around the world about academic resilience as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to understand what keeps them going, what helps them sustain their work, and most importantly, their conscious commitments to thrive in academia during and beyond the pandemic. This episode, I'm excited to be talking with a mid-career academic from Hong Kong. So hello, and welcome to the Resilient Academic Podcast. Let's start the interview by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Could you tell us a little bit about your role and the stage of your career? Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Caroline, uh, for inviting me to be part of this um, very meaningful project. And um, I'm from Hong Kong, and I'm a mid-career academic. I've joined the faculty for almost 10 years. I've always been based in Hong Kong, so um, I've been in, with this university for more than 20 years. So, mm. and so it's been... Um, a blessing to be here. So I've I've taught in this university for I guess almost um, more than fifteen years. So it's it's been a while. And my research is on is related to um, developmental dyslexia. And I've been very happy that I've been given the opportunity to share my experience and work with pre-service and in-service teachers in Hong Kong. Yes. Yeah, so that's my background. Thanks so much. That's so interesting. And you must have seen some changes while while you've been while you've been working here, not the least of which has been working through COVID-19. So I was wondering if you could provide us with a little bit of context. Could you tell us how COVID-19's impacted Hong Kong? Um, and perhaps whether you know anything about how many positive cases there are, whether there was a lockdown, what this entailed. Could you chat to us a little bit about context? I'm, I didn't really um, look very closely into what's the exact figures, but from the um, figures we have on February the 17th, I think we have more than 10,000 confirmed cases so far. I have to say, compared to other parts of the world, we are pretty lucky, mm. in quotation. And however, I heard also because we have friends from different parts of the world, including mainland China, and compared with mainland China, then some of my friends actually commented that we are one of those who have the highest number of confirmed cases in China. So we are almost the second or third um, among the different regions having the highest numbers of cumulative cases. Wow, so, yeah, um, because like uh, our neighbor, Macau, they have less than 100. Yeah, so, um, and in mainland China, they, um, they really have a very small number already. And um, so, of course, compared with um, US and um, Europe and so on, the Western countries, uh, we don't really have a very high number, but compared with other parts of China, we do. Mm. And so, um, so it is kind of, um, I would say, whenever I heard news or um, comments from colleagues from different, you know, 
two sides is quite interesting. And um, um, referring to your questions about how it affects Hong Kong, uh, we didn't have a lockdown uh, in that sense, but um, I think we have like fourth wave now, what we call, yeah. and what we did, I think the government proposed, like if it's related to um, school, then we have different policies at different time, like we have school closure, we have suspend face-to-face -face classes, but then at the same time, because we want to, we want our kids to have quality education, so they try to relax the measures from time to time. So it was, I think, before Chinese New Year, they allow one-sixth of their student population to go back to school. And then after Chinese New Year, they will further relax the measures. So they will allow one third, the maximum one third of the students could go back to school. So I think that's pretty much for the school sector. As for the business sector, I think we have quite a number of changes in the way that we work, like when the situation is pretty bad and we have work from home policy for most of the sectors, including business sectors and also the public services. But when things seems to be a bit better, then we relax. So that's the um, what happened. I guess that leads nicely into my next question. Um, how did COVID-19 impact academic work in your university? You know, was everybody working from home? Thank you very much for the questions because it's, it's so nice that someone really um, <laughs> would ask us about this. And then um, I think for our university, we have, again, um, because of the changing circumstances, we do receive emails from our center management almost like every two weeks or one weeks, depending on the situation. We have a special task force on um, the policies and measures on COVID-19. So I think when the situation is really bad and our university always care about our health and also it's also a kind of service to the community because working from home from our perspective is protecting everyone. Mm -hmm. It's not just from ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not just protecting ourselves. So I guess many of us, I couldn't say everyone but i think many of us may be working from home to protect ourselves and also to protect um, others but i also heard that um, faculty could have their own discretion about administrative staff yeah yeah and other arrangement yeah so mm. that's why i know do you do you think it imp impacted on workload there was less workload or more workload or did it not really make a difference working from home yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the question again, <laughs> because I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, at, at the very beginning, it's interesting, right? Um, mm. At the very beginning, I think in the first, uh, we didn't re really meet a lot afterwards, so, but we, face-to-face, uh, -face, however, we start to have, a, when you ask this question, I'm thinking about the development of the whole thing. So that may be changes. So at the very beginning, we we thought, oh, what does it mean? And then 
what happened is immediately we need to conduct a quite a number of online meetings. So um, gradually, do you mind if I talk about this from three perspectives, administrative work, yep. then teaching and learning, and lastly, maybe research. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So for administrative, I think we have more workload in terms of like, we may have to make, we have to think about how to um, manage different things because there are changes. So we may have to think about the, the arrangement. Prices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so we have to conduct quite a number of meetings with um, our center management and also maybe our colleagues and also in terms of like co-workers for different projects. At the same time, we have to meet with um, like our research assistants to know to let them know how to cope with their work. Yep. Yeah. So quite a lot of meetings, this first thing. I think the positive side and then also the negative side of going online or work from home is you could almost work around the clock. 24 hours a day. <laughs> 24 hours a day, yeah. Um, that means, I think it's like people feel, feel like, oh, because you work from home, then I may be able to reach you even. Good. I, I actually got course at 11 p.m. in yeah. the evening. So, but, but it's, it's, it's nothing, it's because of the situation. So because of the changing circumstances, sometimes you need, really need to communicate, like, do we have class next day and so on, so forth. So, so that's understandable. Yeah, um, the, the, the net effect is that it, it raises workload. It means you're on the clock for more hours each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I'm not sure whether uh, the information I got is fair, very well supported by evidence but i heard there's been some studies on the working hours of academics during the COVID, and i heard there's been an increase mm -hmm. <laughs> um so i guess it, um, i'm not sure whether I, I didn't really look at the um, paper but that's mm -hmm. what i heard and uh, my personal experience is also there's an increase in the number of working hours. Of course, there's more flexibility. There's more flexibility because sometimes we may, uh, because we could have more, um, like what I heard from some of my colleagues, um, they could use the travel time <laughs> to work on other important things. So I think that's the positive side of it. Yeah, so that's um, administrative part, yeah. It's interesting because while you were talking, I was just thinking about that. In the beginning, not having to commute to work seemed like a bonus, but the work kind of expands to fill that time. So instead of commuting, you're actually at your desk already. Yes, exactly. Agree. Yeah. So thank you for that. My next question is, as an academic, how would you define resilience? Hmm. It's a big question. Yeah, that's really a big question. I never thought about this before. I actually am really interested in this topic because this is something outside my research area. And I think this is something that worth thinking about, especially during this um, special time. So briefly, I would say like, to me, it might be the ability to cope with adverse situations, challenges and barriers without compromising 
one's own long-term academic aspirations. Mm, that's an interesting one. Yep. So it's 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 kind of something that's it's a strategy or strategies we're using in the here and now, but but using them to manage the long-term implications of our situation at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Did, did you find that your resilience, well, actually, let me go back a step. How resilient would you say you've been during COVID-19, given the way you're defining resilience? So do you oh. feel as though you've been able to manage your work now without it having longer term implications? Personally, I think it's also related to the previous questions you asked me about, about the workload thing. Mm. So maybe if you don't mind, and I elaborate a little bit more on the workload <laughs> um, and how it impacts on or maybe related to my resilience. Um, I want to talk about, if you don't mind, I want to talk about the teaching and learning parts mm. because I feel like that's the um, one thing that really helped me to reflect on my own long-term academic aspirations about what teaching and learning means and so on. I guess one of the major impact I found for COVID is teaching and learning because um, I've always put a lot of time on teaching and learning. I think that's extremely important to me. And um, because of the change in terms of the mode of of delivery, then I actually have to experiment different things. And there's been lots of um, questions in my mind because to be honest, I guess we, at the very beginning, we did recording yep. because, um, and it takes really huge amount of time. Time, yep, yep. Yeah, for two hours um, teaching, it might take me three to five days to do the recording and still I don't really feel like um, it's good and um, turns out it's it's not too effective either then um, in the second stage then we try to use online really face-to-face -face, uh, online zoom teaching yeah which I would say um, it feels much better but at the same time, I think we have to, because we always encourage interactive teaching. And um, yeah, and yeah. so um, we, we, I try to think about different ways to do it. But at the same time, it's, we've been, we're lucky. We've got a lot of workshops and um, experience sharing by colleagues. But then I think at the end of the day, um, we need to use our own experience and also because we have different personal style. Mm -hmm. So um, after experimenting a few times, I think we, we I come up with something that I feel comfortable with. And then to my surprise, to be honest, in the first semester, I think my students were more active during online classes than face-to-face -face classes. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, at one time, the first, so I, I, I actually got a record because for um, you, when we used Zoom, we could actually get um, the chat uh, yep. recorded. Yep. And so we could actually have some 
uh, some data on the total number of responses from the students. And I, and I found I have six more than 600 chats in wow. one lesson. Um, of course, that's the, that's the, the, the um, highest one. So on average, it could be 200 or 300, which is which are much more than what we usually got in face-to-face uh, um, -face classes. So I, I feel like, um, of course, there are pros and cons always for a different mode of delivery. But I feel like, oh, yeah, that's a, something that I have to learn. It's to appreciate the new technology. And maybe we, yeah, that there's something that we could do in the future. So I think while I talk about this, I think that's part of resilience. That's to... My definition may not really capture the whole thing, but I feel like just like um, people talk about when I when I first think about this, one of the terms that comes to my mind is post-traumatic growth. <laughs> 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 so that's, I think that's why I, I think of, I immediately think of this experience because I, I feel like, okay, resilience, maybe. Is something not just about coping. I feel like coping may not be the best term. Yeah, the there's even more growth. to it. It's more to it. Yeah, you, you've raised a couple of interesting points in what you've said because you've spoken about starting off in one way and then needing to recalibrate sort of midway and find what works for you. But the other thing that I thought was really interesting is how the skills sort of we we had to learn new skills, but the skills are just a tool. They're not a you know they're not they're not an end in themselves and the way you use those skills is really what has made a difference but the third thing that interested me in what you said was the higher the higher response rate from the students in the chat function because in face-to-face -face class you wouldn't want them speaking at the same time as you but if they're using the chat you can see the comments and the responses in real time while you're talking so that's really interesting yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, because I think the um, online delivery mode forced me, of course, is in quotation, mm. to um, rethink the way that I put questions to the whole class. So I actually included more multiple choices. I could include more poll where there could be more individual responses to the same questions at the same time, which might not be possible. Um, during online lesson and I feel like um, more students some students actually email me and share that they prefer this way of um, responding I think this this is nice because we've been talking about um, catering for diversity and um, in a way this could cater for different preferences and of our students mm. yeah that's so interesting. So, so then to bring that focus a little bit closer to, to your own experience in your own resilience through this process, it sounds as though your own resilience has, has gone through a process of evolving as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And um, I think what I mentioned is mainly about the, the way that I cope with teaching and learning maybe the another very important part is about research work right so um i think for me if one of the thing about resilience is is really reflective practices in terms of like priorities setting 
So I have to rethink about the, as you mentioned, um, and summarize. There's been more work during the COVID, so I really have to think about how to prioritize my work so that yeah. I could manage them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, because that's really insightful. If if that was your personal experience, if you were to kind of take a step back. What would you see then as the characteristics of a resilient academic in inverted commas? Oh, thank you for that question. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <that> grateful. <laughs> yeah. First of all, so yeah, thank you for. I could step back so that I could um, think about what others might be doing, my colleagues who might, because I personally, I might, I might not. Feel like I'm a resilient in quotation um, academic, but I've been thinking about other example and um, people that I feel like um, may be very resilient during this time. Um, so, say for example, I I, I see some colleagues, so um, they could make good use of the time to focus on their research work. So I think one of the factors that I've been thinking about may be the nature of their research methodology. So because I feel like it's some of the factors that might affect, like I could think of, like first maybe the research area and the research methodology that is commonly used in that area. So say for example, for me, um, I work with schools and children. So during COVID-19, that's affected. Yeah. But for colleagues been working on like um, meta-analysis might be, might be in some way, seemingly may not be affected so much. But of course, I think we, we need to ask them <laughs> because this is my perception only. Sure. Um, another thing I guess, I guess might be peer support. Because for a resilience, so when I think about resilience, I think about my network, my, my how I got supported during the whole process. And I heard from my um, collaborators that they feel like when we have research meetings going on during this time, we try to keep like having meetings every two to three months. They feel like they I, 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 at, the, at the very beginning, I feel like, oh, that might be an additional um, stress to them. But turns out they feel like it's, it's good because, because of all the changes. It's nice to have something that we usually do to keep going during that special time. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of maintaining the routines that you would have had normally, but... I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there too, in, in my experience, having meetings with people, even if it's online, it, it's kind of validating and it confirms that our networks are there and our support systems are there and we kind of help each other to to work through work through this sort of strange time that we've lived through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I kind of agree more with that. Having just under, some understanding colleagues to share like what's been happening and how we've been feeling because sometimes you don't know whether you, you need someone to 
to You're assure you, to yeah, 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 stay connected. So that's the, the important thing during this time. Thank you for that. It's, you know, it's, it's funny, academic resilience sounds like a sort of a theoretical construct. But when, when you start unpacking, it's really personal to people. And we've experienced it in, in really personal ways, I think, you know, working through working through the circumstances we're in at the moment. If Would you say that your career stage, being a mid-career academic, would you say that the career stage and the context you're working in has impacted on your resilience? Mm. When I first think about this, I think I'm thinking about, I'm sorry, I'm actually thinking about how because of my circumstances, like a mid-career academic, because I got tenure in mm. some way, I would say compared to, I, I, I was thinking about what if I'm now, if I, if I were just an assistant professor who's untenure. going to get tenure, who's going through the process and so on, I feel like I would be more stressful. But here now, I'm in my mid-career, I think I have more flexibility and um, I have more choices because I, I, although I still have a number of projects, I think I have less pressure to like get my papers published during a very short period of time and to mm. meet all the um, requirements. So yeah, I, I, I guess that's my feeling. I heard from my uh, my university also um, make it understand the situation. So I think they also, last year, they made an arrangement that if their colleagues is going through tenure last year, they could extend um, for time. one year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess... Um, We've been trying to support colleagues in different stages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's another um, interesting point that you make because I, you know, we we talk to our networks and I heard from somebody recently that the number of papers that have been submitted to journals has just gone up incredibly during COVID because people have been using the time to write where they may not otherwise have had had so much time to write. But that desk rejections have also increased quite a lot. So it's it seems to have had sort of far-reaching implications for what we do as academics. Um, and as you say, you know, with with being mid-career and having tenure, there's a bit of a safety net there that colleagues who are early career researchers may not feel quite as much. Um, yes, yes, and uh, and thank you for sharing that. I didn't know. I, I I've heard different things. So so have you, you heard see? something different? Yeah, because I, I've heard. So it's good to know because I, I got that rejection yesterday. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really happy to know that's because there's an increasing number because I, uh, I heard from other some other colleagues um, sharing with me that, oh, um, the journals actually didn't receive enough paper. So oh. please try to submit more. So I feel like, oh. Oh, that's not what I've heard. <laughs> that's great to know that's great to know because i that, that's also also um helped me to verify their 
information from different um, sides. So, and, to, yeah. and to put it in context, the rejection in context. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are sensitive people. <laughs> Would you say that the COVID pandemic has changed your academic identity? Now, do you think that your priority, well, you said earlier, in fact, that it, it caused you to reflect on what your priorities are, but would you say that your priorities, your career aspirations or your plans, would you say any of that's changed during or as a result of COVID? Yeah, thank you very much for the question. So I, I, I think that's a wonderful question because I, as I mentioned, at any time, especially this special time, we may have to think about growth and um, personally, I guess um, because of the, so COVID in a sense reminds me about the, the short list of life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is um, you, you, an uncertainty about life circumstances. So I think uh, one thing that I've been thinking about is I may try to think about if I'm going to do research again. Um, um, I mean, wh when I reflect on my research plan, I now think more about the significance instead of when I do research, I always try to focus on topics that I think might be important. Yep. But now I think I would take more time to think about the significance of the study before I really conduct those. Can, can yeah. I ask you just to remind us what your research area is? Because I think that's a really important point that you make there. And it's one that applies to a lot of people, I suspect. Um, my research area is on developmental dyslexia. And of course, I think, um, and also inclusive education. And I feel like it's, what I what I've been thinking about is um, I, I heard that um, and 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 in fact some some colleagues made very good suggestions like they share that oh there may be colleagues who've been thinking about doing research on the impact of COVID nineteen um, on this at different areas and I've been I haven't got the perfect solutions but my dilemma is because the children and parents are under huge stress mm. during this time. Mm. And I feel like, although personally, I may feel the, the research topic is important. However, I have to also consider the possible impact on my participant. I couldn't agree more. It really makes us evaluate the motivations and the benefits to to children obviously and to communities and to society but it really makes us think about that before we design research because there are bigger concerns going on at the moment um, yes and of course I, I i i understand some and i do appreciate that um, colleagues are doing wonderful and very important mm. research work on the impact of COVID 19 and um personally i would I, I do really think it's good and it's important to um, examine the possible impact on our children's education, which is huge. Mm. But at the same time, I, I would say I may, for myself, then um, 
think twice about whether I would go on with certain um, data collection during this time or wait till when I feel like the impact on the parents and the children uh, much less. So personally, I feel like their well-being comes first. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It, it brings us back to your original definition of academic resilience as well, though, around it being sort of a, an issue in the here and now, but also the extent to which we can manage the the impact of COVID-19 on our long-term career trajectories. So do you, do you think conducting less research will impact on that? I think that goes back to um, the research area that um, say, for example, if it's, if colleagues research areas is very much related to COVID and at the same time, just like, um, like what I mentioned, I do feel like COVID-19 just has a huge impact on um, the education experience of our students and also their parents. Um, say, for example, um, personally, I feel like um, some of my relatives got pretty affected by not being able to go to school. And um, and because my research area is actually on writing, and I heard in some school, while they could still do reading tasks online, it's hard for them to conduct writing classes online. Yep. So in a way, I think these are all important research area that we could look into because that will help us understand more and also to inform educators and practitioners about what they may have to do afterwards because yes. all these are important. Um, however, I guess personally, I still haven't um, really come up with a very concrete research plan on how to work on this area, but I'm sure um, if we could, then we may help the community in um, addressing the impact of COVID. Yeah. Yep. So I think what what I'm hearing as well is that the impact on us as, as academics will will also vary depending on our research areas and our research programs. So it might impact on some people more than others. Agree, agree. Well, thank you so much for your perspectives on on academic resilience. It's been so interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Not really. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much for chatting to us. It's been a it's been a wonderful conversation. We really appreciate your in, your insights into the impact of COVID nineteen on yourself as a mid career academic and also your your understandings of what academic resilience is. So thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you very much, Caroline.